Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Thriving Adoptees podcast. So today I'm delighted to be joined by Tracy. Thank you for making time for, for us to, today, Tracy. It's great to, great to see you. Thank you very much for coming on the, on the show. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah. So um, could you introduce yourself to the listeners, please, Tracy? Sure. My name's Tracy Whitney. I am a mom to six kids. Uh, four biologically and two by adoption. And they came to us in 2008 and 2013, respectively. I am also a content manager and adoption educator with Creating a Family. Great. I, this is going to be fascinating, then. Um, I hope so. I, I am, I'm, I'm definitely up for this. So, um, thriving adoptees, then. So, when uh, when you hear that 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 phrase or those two words, thriving adoptees, what what comes to your mind, Tracy? Um, from personal experience and from what I learn as part of the uh, bigger adoption community, I think about secure attachment, and I think about how to achieve secure attachment. I think a thriving adoptee is one who is. Um, confident in their identity, confident in their role in their family. Um, I think of them growing in that confidence. Um, I've got young adoptees right now, so I'm watching them grow, but then I'm also in interaction on a daily basis with adult adoptees that I get to see um, more fully formed and more confident in who they are. Um, I also think about uh, the, the necessity of curiosity and the openness to learn and keep learning. Um, I think that's a skill that a, a lot of adoptees that I've come in contact with model really well. Um, they're not just curious about their origins and their stories and their beginnings, but they're also curious um, to participate in the communities where I'm moving in, in my circles, they're curious about what other members of the adoption triad think and feel. And so I feel like that's a, that's a mark of thriving, that curiosity. Um, and I also think about how hard many of those adult adoptees have had to fight to be heard and to be um, respected for sharing their stories and sharing you know, what they've been through in my community specifically for the purposes of helping adoptive parents kind of do it better, you know, in this next generation of raising young adoptees. Yeah. Um, so I'm not sure which question to ask next because there's so much there. <laughs> um, I, I guess the first thing is to say that uh, uh, what I see uh, echoes you know the the curiosity um I've, I've said it so many times i should know how to pronounce it cure cure, cure. um yeah um th that is what I, I i i see so so much of and um but i'd never kind of put the two together you know you see curiosity as a sign of thriving um and i'd never put the two together like that i think that's i think that's beautiful and I think it's so strong as well because it's 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 an, an, and you also said openness. So it's people that are looking to move forward, um, and as opposed to the people who are static, you know, angry and static. Uh, you know. Yeah, and I think honestly, I think curiosity is the mark of any thriving person because yeah. it keeps you open to continuing to learn, keeps you open to continuing to develop your identity. And we know as adoptive parents and adoption educators that the task of developing identity for an adoptee is a core issue that we as adoptive parents have to be present to help them through and help them do. Yeah. Um, could we talk about could we talk more about that identity sure. identity piece? Because um, I think it's 
I think it's a key one. And I think, you know, looking back on the, on the episodes that I've done so far, we've perhaps not explored that as, uh, as much as we could do. There's been a lot of focus on trauma and healing and perhaps less so on the identity piece. So can you share what, what you'd like to share to help the, the, the listeners on that kind of that identity area? Sure. I, I'm not quite sure where to begin because it is such a big topic. Um, but I think one of the things that I feel most, speaking as an adoptive mom, I feel most imperative in my role to, um, with my kids is helping them identify who they are and helping them work through all of the labels that they feel about themselves or that the world might put on them as they're moving about in the world. I don't ever want them to have one sole label or one singular label that they can't get out from underneath or that they like, I don't want them to be like that one trick pony kind of mentality. So adoptee is just one of the labels that our kids wear. And it's a big one, but it is an identity that it's a label that helps inform their identity. It's not the sole core of their identity. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, uh, I, I love this. I love this, uh, uh, I, I love this. Uh, I love this area. And just thinking back, you know, I call it the thriving adoptees um, podcast because it's brief. You know, right. you've got a, you, those little podcast icon icons are tiny. You know, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you don't want a lot of words. Um, and you know, on my Twitter bio and on my bounds on social media, I call myself an adoptee, but. Uh, I'd, I'm 54 and I only just started doing that. Right. I, I used to say for most of my life, and I didn't talk about it a lot, I'd say I'm adopted. Um, but uh, I, I just say adoptee because it, it's, it, it's brief and it gets, it's get to the point. And, but I, I don't think I, I, I do that. So other people listening to you know or wanting to listen to my uh, podcast or interested in this know that i'm talking from lived experience i wouldn't go through my life saying you know i'm going to say hello hello i'm simon i'm an adoptee it's uh, and i wouldn't say it's part of it's part of my external the, the external label i put on on myself to the world so they know where i'm coming from but I only, I'm only doing it for their benefit. I, I don't think, I don't think, oh, I'm Simon the adoptee. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wouldn't even considering it, uh, I wouldn't even considering it as a part of my identity. Um, yeah, don't know. Yeah, and it's, it's part of a journey that makes my girls who they are, but it's not the only part of their journey. I want them to also be free to take on labels like flautist. My, my almost 14 year old is a very skilled flute player. Um, I want them also to take on label daughter or label um, someday mother, you know, wife, other labels that inform their whole identity and I, I get excited about the idea of stirring that curiosity in them to see how they can work through that one label and then work through the other labels as they grow and mature um, to form their whole identity. Um, it's, not a, it's not a conscious thing that I do as a mom. I think it's just kind of how we move as a family um, you know, one of the downsides of, of being so immersed in the adoption community as I am uh, through my work and through my lived experiences is that we do focus so much on the adoptee experience. We adopted parents want to get it right. We don't want to fail our kids. We don't want to fail the larger community. 
And so we want to get it right, but then sometimes we become way too myopic. And I, I find myself walking that line frequently. Yeah. And where do I fall on the line and what's the continuum and how to stay on a, you know, the middle of the continuum without going off to either extreme. And um, it's a challenge, but it's, you know, it's a challenge that I'm willing to immerse myself in for the sake of um, helping my girls process this additional label that they carry. Yeah. Um, what, uh, how do you see this identity um, in the, uh, this identity piece playing out in the adult adoptees space? Um, that's kind of hard for me to speak to because it's just my observations looking in. Um, I see quite a few adoptees in our, well, I'll speak specific, specifically to the creating a family community. Um, we have an, a very active online Facebook group. And so we've got a good number of um, adult adoptees who are willing to share their experiences, share their thoughts and feelings. And they also remain curious, which is very helpful to me. It's, I find that I learn better from people who model, you know, a, a gentle, kind way of sharing, but also model their own curiosity and their own um, vulnerabilities. So we've got a, a great number of adult adoptees who are vulnerable and authentic, but also willing to stand up and say, hey, adoptive parents, this is you know, maybe this is something you should be on the lookout for, or this is something that, you know, could be a challenge. And if you're not willing to address it, you are, you know, not seeing your full child. Um, so I see that, I see that playing out quite frequently in our community. Um, I'm not a huge fan of the um, old stereotype of the angry adoptees. Um, I feel like that, that, that is not a helpful way for adoptive parents to learn, um, uh, yeah. to assume that the challenges that are being offered in conversations or in interactions are coming from a place of anger. That, that, doesn't, that doesn't help me learn if I'm assuming that about an adoptee that I'm talking to. So I try not to um, fall prey to that trope. I don't like it. <laughs> right. Do you, do you see much anger in, 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 in your group? Um, we don't see a ton of anger in our group. I feel like most of the adoptees that share with us there, um, they may have hurts that they're vulnerable about. They may have rough experiences that they're honest about, but I, I don't see them. I don't see them when I look at them as angry. I see them as, you know, really wanting to learn and to share what they've learned. Um, well, I, I'm delighted to hear that. Um, I, I guess, you know, you've used the word continuum uh, yeah. earlier on, you know. So um, there's, on, on the continuum uh, between uh, anger at one end and curiosity at the other, or anger at one end and thriving at the other, or whatever it is, mm -hmm. um, you're clearly... Uh, you're, you, you're the, the, the adoptees in, in your world are on and towards the thriving end of that um, uh, spectrum or in that thriving end of that of that uh, continuum because there's an awful lot of very angry adult adoptees in groups yeah. I've seen um, yeah. and uh, uh, yeah I, so I put I put something in an adult adoptee group a few months ago, and I said um, adoption is something that happened to us; it doesn't define us. And uh, uh, 120 people liked it, I think. Maybe 30 people loved it, and then there was about 10 or 15 comments. Uh, How dare you? Mm. Um, mm. 
Uh, did I say I, I, some? Uh, no, I didn't. I said adoption is something that happened to me. I think did I say I can't remember. If I said me or us. I didn't make it. You know, just the first person, but whether it was just me or the whole lot. Uh, but yeah, uh, and and then how dare you? And then a, a, a load of anger off the back, which I thought was very interesting because the people who felt positively just said like or you know click like or love didn't offer any more than that. Mm-hmm. But the ones that were angry were the ones that wanted to engage uh, uh yeah who wanted to um be be vocal off that and so anything that we can do to reduce the number reduce the amount of anger uh, in the uh, in the adopting community obviously yeah it's, i mean let's be clear there there are certainly plenty for adult adoptees to feel anger over um you know, there's there's such a history of fraud and coercion and all of the things that adoptees feel angry about. And I, I get that. I think what, what I'm probably more trying to say, not that there's not angry adoptees in our group, I'm sure that they do have anger, but when I approach them, I don't put the filter on of this is an angry adoptee. I put the filter on what can I learn from this adoptee's experiences, even if they're hard to hear or challenging to my yeah. worldview. Wow. That's, uh, that's brilliant. Thank you. I have a fantastic role model in Don Davenport, the executive director of creating a family has been such a mentor to me in that area, particularly. Yeah. Yeah. I guess I'm just using um, kind of shorthand. Um, one of my one of my concerns is that uh, it, well, not my concerns. Well, one of the things that I want to do because uh, I'm curious. I'm still curious at 54, um, and I've been studying kind of let's call it human consciousness you know, where our experience comes from. I've been studying that for, I don't know, how long, maybe 15 years now. And I'm still curious. Uh, I'm, I'm still curious of, of, about that. Uh, and that keeps me, that keeps me moving, um, moving forward, you know, so. Yeah. Yeah. So um, you talked about, Going back to the thriving adoptees, you talked about being confident in their identity, confident in their roles, growing in confidence. Um, so, can we have a look at? Can we have a like, explore on the confidence sure. area? What 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 have you what have you learnt, kind of personally and 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 professionally, that helps adoptees grow in confidence? Well, I'm still learning a lot about it because I've got a f- almost 14 year old and a 10 year old who um, have very diverse personalities and pretty diverse experiences before they came to us as well. So I'm learning a lot about um, what makes them feel safe. And I think when they feel safe and they feel like they can trust, then there's an increase of the ability to develop confidence. Um, I'm learning a lot about, um, how to keep the mood light, keep the mood, um, kind of at their level to let them advance the conversation or not advance the conversation as they want. And I think having control of that builds confidence in them, um, I'm also learning how to listen more and talk less, which is really hard for me, admittedly. <laughs> um, because when we, Dawn talks a lot about this in, in, um, in how to talk to kids about adoption. She talks about throwing the conversational ball. And so I'm learning how to just kind of toss the conversational ball and if they catch it and throw it back, then we can have a volley of conversation back and forth between us about birth mothers or genetic traits or their individual stories. 
But if they let the ball drop or they catch it and don't throw it back, conversationally speaking, I'm learning how to just let that go and not push again, because I feel like giving them that sense of control over their own story, over their own feelings, builds confidence, builds trust in me, and it build, builds that sense of safety that they can pursue or not pursue. And it's okay, I won't love them any differently if they perform or don't perform according to my expectations. Um, and I'm learning how to ask questions kind of in a non-direct way. I have one that's very taken off guard by direct questions and one that doesn't mind direct questions at all. So I'm learning how to navigate the difference um, in those ways. And I think those are the things that build confidence, um, helping them find what they're good at, helping them find what they love or what's interesting and intriguing to them and providing more opportunities for that. Um, I think that also builds confidence. Yeah. Um, so the feel, feeling and safe and trusted to me, it sounds like the feeling safe and trust in you are kind of the, the foundations mm -hmm. on which the communication yeah. is, is, is based. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Felt safety is a big one. I think that, you know, every kid has a different love language and it's our job as parents in general, not just adoptive parents, but it's our job in general as parents to kind of learn our kids' languages and meet that, meet them where they're at with that language. You know, if you have one kid that just really needs positive affirmation and words of encouragement and yeah, you got this and then it's your job as their parent to make sure that you are verbally telling them that you're on their team and that you've got their back and that you're always there for them and that you're proud of them. And, um, but if you have another kid that, that doesn't respond well to that kind of physical, um, that kind of verbal language, but maybe prefers physical touch, then you make sure that that kid gets the hugs they need to get through the day. And uh, even if you don't feel like touching or being touched, you, you got to put your own stuff aside and say, okay, this is what my kid needs right now. And, um, just meeting them where they're at with those things. Um, I have a friend once that told me that 90% of parenting is being a student of your child. And I, over the years, I just keep going back to that. It's so true. The best way to parent the child that's in front of you is to learn what that child has to teach you. Yeah. Yeah. Um... What what what's what's the being the the biggest uh, what have been where where have you got your biggest learnings in this in in, in this area? Because it sounds like to me it sounds like it's about it's about insight and attunement rather than technique you know we the the websites not your website but you know websites in general are and and media as magazines you know it's 10 ways to do this 15 ways to do that whether right. that's parenting weight loss um building your instagram following you know whatever it is it, it's all it's all about strategies whereas yeah. you're to me you're not talking about strategies at all you're talking about acuity and tuning in yeah um so where where do these learning where do you get your where, where, where most of my education has come frankly from the communities that i've been a part of from other parents sharing their stories um again like i said about the creating a family community the adult adoptees and the birth parents sharing their stories um you know hearing a person's story changes the way you think, I think personally, far quicker than reading a textbook. Because you're hearing the lived experience, you're connecting on more than 
the intellectual level, you're connecting on the heart level, you're connecting on the, the feeling, feelings realm, and it makes a much more of an impact. So I, I find most of my most of my learning, most of my introspection comes from interactions that I have in those different communities. I'm part of the creating a family community. I'm also part of um, a country specific community uh, where my daughters were born. Um, I'm part of a couple communities related to their individual needs. Um, both of the girls came to us with um, physical needs that we've been, you know, learning about and working on together as a family. And so most of what I learn comes from other parents who've been there, done that, and adoptees who are living it. Um, but I also find great value in, you know, reading the research. Um, I think you can't go wrong with evidence-based education. Um, I think educated parents are probably not what you would think of, like you said, it's not just degrees. I think educated parents are parents who are willing to put down what they might've previously thought to explore or be curious about what might be. Yeah. And you find that in community, you find that in relationship. But, excuse me one second. That shouldn't surprise us. I hope you can edit that. Um, that shouldn't surprise us because we are created to be relational beings and we thrive when we're in relationship. And so if we want our kids to thrive, then we, we have to put ourselves in places where we can learn and we learn in the context of relationship and we want our kids to learn and they're going to learn in the context of our relationship between us, you know, mother to daughter or mother to son, um, we're, we're, we're unable to do this alone. There's no way. I mean, we talk all the time at creating a family, you need a village, you need a support network, you need people around you to help you navigate, whether it's preteen issues of identity in your adoptee, or it's special needs at school, you, you need a community to get through those things. You know, you've got I'll speak from my own experience. My daughter has educational needs and I rely heavily on the educational experts that I've built community with, both at her school and in um, the children's hospital where we have all of her needs, uh, physical needs met. Those people are not just professionals that I interact with, they're a support network in our life and I rely on them in relationship yeah so um i think that's I fascinating think because i've been talking about hanging around at the bus stop for insights um and it sounds like that's what you're doing you go i do, different, I do. i'm yeah i'm an extraordinarily relational person and i'm 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 sure that there are many parents out there who feel educated and prepared and are not as relational as I am. So the thought of joining a support group or being part of a group like that is maybe intimidating or, or feels unnecessary to them. But from my own experience, um, and again, I've, I've got six kids, not just two adoptees. I've got six kids and all six of them have very unique needs, very unique personalities. And even as even as there are several of them are adults now, parenting adult kids requires that I be in relationship with other parents who are raising or parenting adult kids. Um, my job in raising them is done, but I'm still their parent. I, they, I, as our relationship changes, they still need from me. And I can't do that outside of relationship. That's just the way I'm wired. So you, you talked about stories as well learning mm -hmm. from stories what what are some of the biggest uh, insights you've had about thriving uh, uh grow uh, you know uh growing curiosity growing confidence whatever what have been some of the the stories what were the stories and how have they helped you 
learn and 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 I'm I, I guess I'm looking for to uncover some of the the learnings to help the listeners from this. Yeah, well, I think one that I'm learning right now and um, has come up quite a bit in the last three or four months is learning how to be present without fixing anything. Um, learning how to hear what the adoptee is saying, whether it's in the interactions that I have in my workspace or the interactions I have here at home, learning how to be present and listen and just unconditionally accept whatever it is that they're thinking or feeling without trying to fix it for them. Um, as you know, for example, my 14 year old, she has some pretty strong feelings about a particular issue that she's dealing with right now. And I'm, I'm learning and trying to learn how to listen and accept her feelings and validate her feelings, but not lead her, not, not give her the solution, help guide her to the solution so that she can find it on her own. Um, but find it in the, in the safety and support of a, of a family that loves her unconditionally and will support her whatever solution she works towards. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, so patience and coaching rather than direction. And yeah, yeah. And as they get older, our role turns from telling them what to do Actually, a friend just said this to me last night. Our role is changing from telling them what to do to kind of standing alongside of them, offering them kind of a view of the options they have and what they could possibly do. And then letting them do that in the safe space of still the context of our home and our family and our, our family values so that when they go out into the world and they're not under our roof anymore, when they make those decisions, they've had the experience already of making a decision and having a safe place to land. As an adult, then they make a decision and they can own whatever the landing might be. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, something just popped to mind. Now, this is something, this is something a coach used on me, right? Mm -hmm. And a, a coach that used on me when I was, I don't know, 40, 45, 35, something like that. I know. But it's just a little model that I think might fit um, and form a little structure around what you, you, you said, right? So it's called the GROW model. Have you heard of the GROW model? I haven't, but I'm interested. So this, this is a business model, right? But okay. I'm applying it to, to a conversation with that. A, a, a child but you can you can use it in any different it, it's not uh, context specific so um the the the, the goal is um sorry the the g of grow is goal you know what's your goal so like, what are you trying to achieve here the um and then obviously you're going to tie that into the into the child so the child wants to I don't know your 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 daughter as a flautist, yeah. So she wants to pass her grade three flautist. You know, she's got a goal to get to pass an exam in flout flout on the flute, yeah. Right. I always think it's funny that word flout. Um, yeah. I know. I don't understand why they call it flautist when you. Yeah, it's a bit weird. Yeah, flouting the rules and or playing a musical instrument, <laughs> it's a one, isn't it? Okay, so so that's the goal. Right. Um, so we we first off is that we are because we're using a coaching model. We are um, focusing on the child's needs. Right. So most of the day in school, for example, there the kids' agenda is set by the school's agenda, and the two things don't match. The school right. wants to get the grades. Ultimately, right it's about the grades for the yeah. That's a bit of a broad statement, isn't it? Uh, anyway, so um, uh, uh, so G is for goal, and and the, uh, there is something incredible about focusing on our child's goals or anybody's goals, um, because they see then we're that they're on, they're on, we're on their side. 
it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's their agenda that matters. Right. And, and then they're engaged. The next one, uh, the R of grow is uh, reality. So where are we now? Um, o is the options. So what can we, what can we do? And mm-hmm. it was the options. That's when you talked about the options and um, standing, uh, being alongside and offering the options. That's when the grow model popped into my head. Strange, really, because it must be like at least 15 years since I heard this. <laughs> so option, uh, o, is, o is for options. So that's another discussion. And then uh, the W is what next? I love this. That's great. So, you know, you can, that's, that. you know, I, I'm, I'm, me and my wife haven't got any kids, right? So uh, I've never, uh, but I can see that it, it, it's, it's applicable in, in any uh, in any sense and um, in, in kind of any any context. Um, so are there uh, are there any other recent revelations that have uh, that have come to you, recent learnings that have come to you on the back of stories that you've seen in hmm. your Um, I'm learning that I don't know enough about what comes next. Um, I, I kind of, I kind of feel like I've, I've been really good at the, the, the learning part, the being curious part. Um, I'm getting better at the being present part. Um, but if you think about adoptive parenting in this model, the, the grow model, I have to, I have to stop and think what is next for me? What else do I need to know? What else do I need to learn um, to get my kids to the next stage and the next step um, of their ability to thrive? Uh, we creating a family recently did um, a, a podcast with uh, Dr. Michelle Borba um, she's you know who she is I've heard of her yeah she's yeah she's fantastic I've been a huge fan for a long time and she just recently wrote a book called Thrivers and she talks about the seven essential character traits that our kids need to thrive and what makes why are some kids just naturally resilient and why are some kids not and um I, I like digging into those conversations um, and I would have to look at those seven character traits and say, okay, you know, what's next for our family? Where, where do we go from here? So I like that grow model. I'm going to have to apply that to my parenting. So uh, uh, can, I, um, can I give you a slight challenge on, on what you just said on the resilience sure. stuff? Sure. Uh, and, and, and it's not you. I'm challenging you. I'm, I'm, I'm actually challenging uh, Michelle. Borba, really. Okay. Um, so my little, I've got a Thrive model too. My, my model is Thrive. Okay. You know, so this is the Thriving Adoptees podcast. Yep. Uh, and I do um, parent trainings on my Thrive model. And the, so T is, T, T is beyond trauma. So there's so much about understanding trauma. Yeah, great. Understanding, but, you know, well, so what? What are we going to do next? Um, we, we, can, we can understand till the days. Understanding doesn't heal, in my opinion. Healing heals. So T, T, is, for, T is for trauma. Uh, H is for healing, funnily enough, the next one. R is for resilience. Uh, I is for identity. Uh, v is vision for the future and E is um, empowering others. So, so I, uh, I'm going to pick up on the resilient thing, right? So the biggest thing that I've learned about resilience uh, is it is innate. So the idea, uh, but I, I used to think like everybody else that, um, um, uh, <laughs> that it's learned uh, and uh, it, it, it's innate and, and we all come with it at 100%. It, 
It's, we're not we're not born with different levels of resilience. It depends who you. It depends what you mean by the eye that is resilient. You know, but um, the best metaphor I've seen for for the resilience is a resilience that we all have is um, a rubber ball. Okay. So this is a, a this is a new metaphor I've been playing around with, right? So the box has arrived in the in the in the in in the with the mailman, with the post, with the courier, whatever from from Amazon, and um, this box has been around a bit. It's been it's been used as a, as a football in the in the distribution warehouse, Amazon distribution warehouse, and. Uh, it's got beaten up, and actually, it's it's come from it's come from China, and it's had a hard it's had a hard trip, and the 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 supervisor has has, has spotted it coming down the uh, on the conveyor belt to Amazon and seen that it's been beaten up, so it's uh, it, they put some tape on it, they put some clear tape on it, some uh, scotch tape on it to try and because they haven't got another box. You know they haven't they haven't got a replacement box because the the box is somewhere in China. Um, so as it arrives, it looks all beaten up, and 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 that's our view. That's our view of uh, of of the kids that they 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 they're beat, beaten up and and traumatized and um, they're not strong anymore. Uh, but when we open the box up, mm. the rubber ball is good as is as good as new. And if you fill the rubber ball all the way, it bounces. Yeah, it bounces because it was born to bounce. Right. But it, if we don't bounces. fill it all the way, sorry. If we only, if we only fill it part way, it just kind of lands flat. Uh, yeah. And I, I think that's a, it's a great metaphor for what adoptive parenting can be. Um, when we come to the table educated and prepared and we've dealt with our own stuff or are dealing with our own stuff, because that's a lifelong process, even for non-adoptees to deal with your story, your history. And we can then fill our kids so that they can bounce when the hard stuff hits well yeah or and it's about the kids seeing their natural ability to be uh, to to bounce yeah um, so the the other take on resilience the 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 one that everybody buys into and me too tracy right this is what i thought okay uh, I thought resilience was strengthened, like um, like going to the gym is strengthened. But there's a very different. There's a very big difference between um, the the innate resilience in all of us uh, versus uh, uh, versus uh, you know like a emotional resilience mm -hmm. and versus physical resilience. That that these are three different three different things. So um, the, 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 the innate resilience, because we were born to bounce, like kids learn to fall over. Sorry, they learn to walk by falling over. Right. Right. They're not bothered. They, they, they haven't been on a learn to walk course. They, um, they don't think that falling over has uh, means that they're a bad person. They don't think that um, they, they they walk because they learn to walk because they want to get to the other side of the uh, the uh, the road, uh, the other side of the road, the other side of the living room, um, and and they're, com they're they're compelled to do this. But then when they fall over, you know, parents are naturally concerned about whether they're going to injure themselves, and they fall over, and they see this look of concern on their um, uh, on the, the, the parents' face and they 
and they and they start to to worry about the fact that they they're going to hurt themselves or that 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 uh, failing to learn to walk means that they're a failure. So it's all the all the self talk begins, and you know you think so. I'll take take this take that forward thirty years. Mm-hmm. We're worried about as adults. We're worried about failure because we're thinking. I'm failure make failing makes me a failure. Um, but uh, yeah, and maybe yeah. that's where that's where it's important for us as adoptive parents to be um, providing mirrors and models for our kids. So instead of reacting with panic or fear at something we see our kid doing, in your example, the falling down, you know, maybe a better reaction would be to mirror what we see happening on our kid's face and let them lead the way in many ways with how they perceive messages from the world coming in to their experience rather than telling them what the messages are that are coming in. I think it's probably a both and situation. It's both learned and innate and you know we've got we've got plenty of examples of different kinds of resilience that might be learned but might also be innate in another kid and i think being able to embrace maybe a definition that it's that it's both learned and innate kind of frees us as adoptive parents to find our way and help our kids find their way without maybe such a rigid definition. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think we've got to look in the right direction. So, you know, um, if we're confused then, they're going to be confused. That's a great point. That's a great and, point. Uh, and it's ultimately, for me, you know, we t- I talked about the grow thing being a coaching model. Yeah. Ultimately, it doesn't matter uh, how they see it. We just want our kids to see their resilience. Yeah. So they might have to. They have to learn it for themselves. It, it, it's it, insight is an inside job. It, it's not. It, it's them seeing it for themselves. So whatever means, whatever it takes. You've talked about how different. You know, you obviously with um, with six kids, you're highly attuned uh, to the the difference of, of the kids. You've got a comparative. Like I'm, I'm just thinking about my. I'm just thinking about my uh, my, my dad's mum and dad. So my my dad's. My dad was an only child. Uh, my mum is the eldest of four. So they didn't have a kind of like a compare and contrast model, you know? Right. Whereas, you know, my mum, my mum's uh, mum and dad clearly, clearly did that and, and you have with your six kids. So, you, you know, you, you, we're attuning here um, and uh, whatever it takes for our kids to see their own resilience and the fact that they can bounce back, right. that's the ultimate goal. And we might need to tune tune our model like you do. Uh, so I'm not a parenting coach, so I'm not quite whether I'm, I'm not sure whether I'm over um, overextending my expertise here. Uh, I just we all have to see things for ourselves, and it and it doesn't matter how we see them. You know, you you've talked about learning from from the groups, and you've talked about learning from um, you've talked about the, the learning from in the in the workplace from uh, from from Don. You've talked about learning from looking at the research you know you've got a you've got a variety of different ways that you you learn that that's great we want to give our kids a variety of different learns ways that they learn so they see it for for themselves and one of my favorite things on this is is actually the the fact that the word edu educate comes from the latin educare which is not as most people think information is trying to shove it into their heads Educare actually means to draw out. 
Yep. So if you draw out an, an insight and it sounds to me that what you're, or, or, or the, the, the thread of what you've been talking about has been a coaching process that draws kids' insights out from within them so they see stuff for themselves. Right. And it goes back to that confidence that we were talking about earlier. The, the, one of the marks of a thriving person is confidence in, their, in who they are, confidence in their role, in their family, their, their place in life. They will develop that confidence if they feel safe and they feel like mom and dad have got this. You know, if I'm communicating to my kids that I am totally unsure of what I'm doing and I can't figure out what is going on in my, in my two girls, my youngest two girls that are still living at home, I know for sure that that would create a sense of unease and anxiety in both of them. But instead, if I say to them, well, I don't know the answer to that, but I'm going to go look for it. I'm going to figure it out. Mom's got this we'll figure it out together, that builds confidence. And then that makes me feel confident. It makes them feel secure. And that helps them thrive. It helps them feel like if I get hit with hard stuff, I can bounce back because my mom's teaching me how to do that. Really? It's a big responsibility. <laughs> yeah, it is. Mm -hmm. Is there anything else? I'm just looking at time. Um, uh, is there anything else that you'd like to share, Tracy, before we bring this in? Not, not particularly. I would encourage adoptive parents to keep learning. You never, you never get to the end of what you can know about the things that are most important to you. Yeah. In my life, the things that are most important to me are my, my home, my kids, uh, my kids' significant others. And so I'm, I just want to keep learning. And I think that posturing myself to keep learning is a great example for my kids, but it's also going to bode me well for the other challenges that come as the rest of my kids continue growing into adults. Yeah. Four down, two to go. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant, Tracy. Thank you so much mm. for sharing. Yeah. Thanks so uh, much for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks again. Thanks a lot, listeners. Uh, see you all again soon. Cheers. Bye bye.